Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin and I'm on the phone with Brian. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2023 film Saw X, directed by Kevin Gritert and written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger and starring Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, and Sonova Makoti Lund. In this 10th installment of the franchise, John Kramer, the notorious jigsaw killer, goes to Mexico seeking an experimental medical treatment, but he finds himself back to his usual hijinks of making people sacrifice body parts for a chance to live their lives. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 10 to 15 minutes, then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, jump into the plot, the spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, you and I just wrapped up Sequel September, a month of sequels, and here we are in October, which is starting to feel like a sequel to sequel September. How are you feeling? Are you feeling like pretty sequeled out yet or uh, still going? Strangely, I am not sequeled out. I'm pretty into it. How about you? I think I'm getting some sequel of fatigue, man. I'm, I'm okay. missing like those uh, original ideas or things like where you don't know who the bad guy is or like what the plot's going to be. But uh, at least, yeah, I feel, I feel like uh, it's been a fun mix of different types of sequels, which keeps it interesting. Yeah, it's still a wide variety of movies, but I hear you. It's after a while you're ready for a new movie, an original idea. I remember coming out of prior sequel September's and being like, "Oh my gosh, we have freedom of choice. <laughs> Just choose yeah. a movie." Yeah, the freedom of choice. Yeah, definitely missing that. Do you ever uh, feel like? I think we talked about this a little bit with the Nun too, but it's so easy for studios just to replicate what's worked. Because uh, they know they're going to make a bunch of money on it and they can like just build off of an existing brand. Do you ever feel like that takes away from uh, the opportunity for original movies or stories? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. One thing the Saw franchise has done well is build off of itself so that it is doing the same thing over and over again, but it's always adding some new element or storyline to the franchise that kind of opens up the world or gives you a new perspective on the events of a prior film. Oh, that's cool. So it kind of uses the repetitiveness to its advantage. Maybe I shouldn't go so far as to say that, but mm-hmm. it kind of bucks the lack of originality by always kind of blowing your mind at the end of every film. Yeah. That's really cool because, yeah, I feel like the blowing the mind part is like a core part of uh, what you expect when you watch a Saw film. How how many of these have you seen? I did it. I did them all. No way. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, how are you feeling, like, mentally? Surprisingly great. <laughs> they were <laughs> they are not – there are not many great movies. There are no great movies. Well, Saw, the original Saw may border on great. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was given a lot of threes, lots of two and a halfs and threes. It's kind of the franchise as a whole is what I'm into rather than any specific movie, just because so many of them had that moment at the end and the score is like, bum, 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 and you're like, what? He was with her and then that was there and oh, that makes sense and that, it's just kind of a... A journey, if there's any movie, a franchise that I would say, like, sit down and watch them in as much succession as possible, you know, not like in a week, but don't (laughs) don't give a whole lot of time between each one because you need to remember what happened. Oh, yeah. sure. And they all so many of them pick up like 
from the exact moment the last one left off. Got it. That's really cool. They're so consistent with like that last like five ten minute reveal of like some big plot point that like the audience has no idea about. Yeah, uh, and some of them do it better than others, or some of the films have like a jaw dropping moment you know, at the beginning of the third act rather than the last five minutes. But many of them succeed in minorly blowing one's mind. Okay. Did you see like Spiral as well? I did. I didn't do that again on this most recent run, but I I saw that a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. That's maybe my least favorite, one of my least favorite ones. Okay. I I had no idea about that film. I was just reading up on it today and I I was surprised to see Chris Rock. Uh, I was attached to that. that. That's crazy. Yeah. Not only did I complete the franchise, but I also successfully completed a Saw Patrol weekend. Oh, you saw Paw Patrol? Went and saw Saw on Friday night and Paw Patrol on Sunday morning. Nice. You take your kids to both of those? Or just Saw? <laughs> just, yeah, just Saw. <laughs> Paw Patrol is just me. <laughs> Solo date. Uh, yeah, and it, it sounds like Paw Patrol beat out Saw at the box office this weekend. Um, but, uh, oh, are you going to put out a Patreon episode then on all those episodes? That was the goal, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Sorry, folks. I, life has just gotten so busy with all these Paw Patrol viewings that (laughs) I just don't think I'll have time to pull it off. But I, you know, I'll try, but I don't want anyone to set their expectations up. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, uh, all the films and where this one falls. So yeah, I, I didn't realize this going into it, but I guess uh, yeah, they, they this one, this film like chronologically comes out, or like the story takes place between parts one and two, huh? Correct. This is like saw one and a half basically. Saw one and a half. Yep. And fifteen years later or so, the characters are twenty years later for Tobin Bell. Some characters are reprising their roles, which I got to be honest is a little bit distracting when people are 15 years older but we're supposed to be on the same timeline i'm oh, glad yeah. they didn't digitally re de-age people but yeah it's uh it's a little bit of a thing yeah i don't i don't remember uh the first uh one that well like did he look way different um you know I, this one it's almost weird because i don't want to mention certain things about the film just because they spoil oh future ones certain other I don't even know. There's another recurring actor who who definitely the age is apparent. Um, the weird thing about Tobin Bell is that he's playing a cancer patient and he looked old the whole time. So for him, it's not quite as noticeable. And, you know, if he's standing upright and walking with pep in his step, he seems younger <laughs> like yeah. than some of the other ones because he's not like in a hospital bed. Yeah, that yeah, those those news to me. Like, uh, I think after watching this one, I started reading up, and yeah, I, I didn't realize. So he's uh, he drops out like after like pretty early in the franchise, right? Like he hasn't been in the last uh, number of films, has he? Yes and no. He he drops out, but he often appears via flashback. Um, the the franchise travels around in its own timeline quite frequently. So yeah, okay, um, yeah. There, there are movies without him at all, and then there are movies with him a little bit, mm, okay. but yeah. Highly inconsistent, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. For, for me, like, I, I, the first one was fun, second one was okay, and then, like, I can't believe we're on 10. Like, how did, how are there eight movies in, in like, the last, yeah, 10, 20 years on this? That's just, <laughs> uh, it blows my mind. Like, uh, I, I don't know, did you think, like, this would be the franchise that would just keep going? 
No, but it is very prolific. I mean, we talk about some of these other franchises with a lot of films, but they have... Many of them started in the 80s. This started in 2004, and in 20 years, it's already amassed 10 films. Like, that's pretty impressive. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, I think for a while, it was almost like year after year. I'm sure one of us might have all the films by year. Uh, What do you you think? Oh, you... You're saying maybe somebody has a list of all the films in the year in which they were released? I, I feel like there's someone out there who probably has something like that. What do, you, what do you think? All right. Saw was released in 2004. That was directed by James Wan. Saw 2 was directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, as was 3 and 4. So Saw 2 was in 2005. Saw 3 was in 2006. Saw 4 was in 2007. Wow. So back to back. Yeah, I mean, they go every year here for six years. Saw 5 was in 2008. Saw 6 was in 2009. Saw 3D was in 2010. Both 9 and 10 were directed by Kevin... Did you pronounce it? Grittart? Grittart? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't find that one. Kevin Kevin did 9 and 10, um, the director of this film. Then Jigsaw was in 2017. That's the biggest gap, a seven-year gap between Saw 3D and Jigsaw. Got it. Then Spiral was in 2021. And that was another one, another Darren Lynn Bozeman joint. Okay, cool. So, yeah, it's definitely slowed down in, like, the last five, ten years. But that's still a crazy pace, especially those uh, late 2000s. Yeah, yeah, crazy pace. And it's just kind of interesting to see, like, what creative teams stick around or, like, drop off and dip in. Like, Lee Wanell was involved in the writing process of one, two, and three. And then Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan wrote on four, five, six, and seven, which was Saw 3D. Mm. And those are some of my favorite. Uh, Props to Melton and Dunstan, because I think those are some of the best written twists and plot reveals in those movies. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger, who wrote this film, they've written the last three. They wrote Jigsaw and Spiral. Spiral. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. And and, uh, this director, it sounds like he was on the first few films as an editor and then yeah the first film he directed uh was the sixth one right uh yeah he directed saw six and saw 3d yeah and he edited the first five saw Mm -hmm. films as well as the eighth and he also edited this film as well as directing it oh yeah right right yeah wow quite quite a quite a franchise man uh what do you think people go into these movies looking for is it like, you love torture porn and you love, like, crazy twists at the end of things? Is that, like, what, what are you expecting out of a soft film? I think that the casual moviegoer might go in expecting, like, oh, this is, like, going to be hardcore. Let's see if we can handle it. Yeah. But I think people who have seen a decent amount of films in the franchise are looking for creative traps. No denying that you're looking for that. But I think those twists and those big reveals are just as much a part of the franchise as the traps are. And I think... The viewers familiar with the franchise are looking for that as well. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's what I liked a lot, I think, about uh, the first one. And maybe the second one is like, yeah, you, these pe- it's it's like an escape room vibe where like uh, it's just these people waking up, they have, they have to like figure out like why they're there, who's like coming after them. And then like, yeah, there's some kind of puzzle that they have to figure out. And then, uh, yeah, there's some crazy twist at the end that uh, could have saved them the whole time or something. But uh, is, is that so that that feels like pretty consistent throughout the whole franchise, except for like, I feel like this film kind of veers off that path. 
Yeah, this. honestly, this film is is pretty one of the more unique offerings in the franchise. It's less formulaic. It sticks less to exactly what all the other ones have done. Honestly, I think it may have been the first one that didn't open with a trap. Like oh. maybe one other one didn't, but yeah. pretty much every movie starts with somebody in a trap. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And this one, I think, uh, yeah, as we go through the plot, I mean, you get so much time here with uh, John Kramer, like the original Jigsaw Killer. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably pretty unique too. So it's cool to see them taking a different approach. It is unique. Over the franchise, you do learn a lot about John and his personal life and what type of person he is and why he's doing all this. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's revealed piecemeal over the course of a few movies. So this is definitely the movie that spends the most time with him. But I think a lot of reviews of this film diminish some of the other ones in the franchise because they're like, finally, a story. Finally, we're learning about (laughs) Jigsaw and who he is. And that's really not true. (laughs) The whole franchise has been like an intricate, carefully interwoven story. And, you know, it's not genius, but it's told in such a way that it's it's clever. And I I feel like it's hard to deny that the storytelling is clever in this sure. franchise. Sure. Okay, okay. Got it. Good to note that Brian is uh, defending the Saw. I am a franchise. defender of Saw. I mean, okay. none of them are amazing, but <laughs> we see so many franchises where it's like something isn't in the continuity or there's just inconsistencies or clearly they didn't know what to do and they tried something weird here. This yep. franchise is consistent and it honestly to me, I don't think it gets maybe people would scoff at this. I don't think it gets stale. Like, it's repetitive Mm -hmm. for sure. But there's always something worthwhile about a Saw film, something that adds to the franchise. It it never diminishes its own legacy, in my opinion. It only builds on it. That's really cool. Yeah, that, that's a little encouraging for me to kind of go back and check out some other ones. But uh, seriously, I don't, I don't know how you have the stomach to watch all those films, man. Like, uh, I forgot how gruesome and like how violent these films can be. They get grosser. This is one of the more gruesome ones, I think. It's pretty pretty oh, gruesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering uh, where this falls. But yeah, this, this, was, this was a rough one. So I, I guess a heads up as we go through this episode and the plot, there could be some gross uh, things going on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to believe everyone knows that. Yeah, going into this film. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess, the, you know, you mentioned the casual movie watcher. It's hard for me to think of like a casual person uh, just like, yeah, going to the movies one night and like, hey, I want to face or like watch this really extreme like torture film. Like, the, I, I don't know, like New French Extremity we've talked about it is like really disturbing and not for everyone. Uh, but somehow like there's an audience for torture porn uh, within the Saw franchise. Any idea like what the difference is there? I think... I would liken it to some people really enjoy spicy food and they pursue spicy food. Others don't, but they still want to do the one chip challenge because they've heard about it or they want to do hot ones. They just want to see if they can take it. This is about the time you did the hot wings challenge. (laughs) Yeah, basically this is speaking (laughs) of our hot ones challenge. But I I would liken it to that. I think a lot of people are like, should we check it out? Uh, Let's go check it out. Like I think we can do it. Yes. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing here because... Sure. I'm the psychopath who's sat and watched all of them, but <laughs> I know. Really I would guess scared. there's some of that in involved. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess that's like a lot of horror films or people go on dates or something to to, to those. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, who can handle the most or kind of sure. fun to be grossed out. Yeah. 
Um, well, cool. Uh, what else? Um, the uh, I, it's a financial success so far, I guess. It's uh, been out for one weekend. Was second at the box office. So on a budget of thirteen million to date so far, it's uh, scored about thirty million at the box office. It's got an eighty-three percent Rotten Tomatoes and ninety-one percent audience score. I gotta uh, assume that's like way higher than like the last few films. So have you compared? Yeah, I haven't really looked at the Rotten Tomatoes scores much for the franchise, but I gotta believe they're pretty low. And the last two installments, um, it outperformed, it opened at least better than the last two installments. And I gotta believe the reviews on those were pretty low. Those were two of my least favorites of the franchise. Okay, okay, the uh, Spiral and Jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, just okay. not not as good. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cool. Um, this is the longest film in the whole franchise, uh, interestingly enough. And then uh, what uh, What else? You got any other background? Oh, let's see. I don't know if I do. There's some like background I want to give that I think would spoil it. So maybe I'll wait to do that later. Okay. Um, our music is a part of Ohio, our Ohio connection, so I'll wait on that. Charlie uh, Clouser or whatever? Yeah, Charlie Clouser. And all these movies are produced by Twisted Pictures and distributed by Lionsgate. Uh, one and uh, Lee Winnell are on as producers, right? I thought I saw their names somewhere in the opening. Uh, executive producers, or is it like story based on uh, the Lee Winnell one storyline? That's a really good question. I did not think they were attached to this as producers. Okay. But they could be. Yeah, I saw their names in in the opening, but maybe maybe it was just referencing them since maybe they own the original. Yeah, I, I didn't double check that. Okay. Uh, cool. Filmed entirely it, in Mexico City. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, I don't have too much else. Every all my other thoughts are like the franchise as a whole. In case it came up, um, yeah. Some of that will probably pop up in our review. Okay. I've got a ranking of the movies, but I'll wait until we review this one. Okay. Because you're going to put this movie in that ranking? I'm going to put this movie in that ranking, yeah. yeah. Right. And you know what's funny is, like, Lee Wanell, we've talked about how in the Insidious franchise, he's good at, like, going back and changing your perspective of the previous film. Yeah, explaining, like, uh, something that happened in the past film. Yeah, and he does yeah. the same thing here. Yeah. And then what's interesting is after he drops out as a writer, I think they even get better at it. They, oh, they, like, no way. Melton and Dunstan really carry on his legacy in that regard. That's really cool. Where future films keep filling in spots on the previous films. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. And that's not to say like they're the only value is their you know perspective on the franchise as a whole. Like they all stand alone as as decent movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I think that's all I have aside from the Ohio connection. Yeah, no, uh, up to, uh, Patreon shout out. Shout outs, no, we. Good call. I almost whizzed right by those. So thank you very much to new patrons, Tommy Gun Tattoos, B. Randall, Downtown Julie, Dot Zero Art, Clay W., and Joanne L. Thank you all for supporting the show. Thanks for your support. And, and we got that new episode out there, right? A Patreon episode. Got on a Halloween 4. 4 episode that just recently dropped for the Halloween season. Right. Yet another sequel to contribute <laughs> to Ashwin's sequel burnout. I know. We got two more to go after this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to record Jason Goes to Hell after this, and then I think uh, Exorcist Believer might be coming down the pike here at some point. Right, right. Uh, Cool. Then Ohio Connection? Ohio Connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant 
restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you're in the area, swing by Jukebox for delicious drinks and food. And Alex says Saw X is a horror film directed by Kevin Gruterit and written by Peter Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg. It is the 10th installment overall in the Saw film series and serves as both a direct sequel to the original Saw from 2004 and a prequel to Saw 2. The film's score was composed by Charlie Klauser, a longtime keyboardist, record producer, and remixer. He worked with Trent Reznor for Nine Inch Nails from 1994 to 2000 and has composed numerous film and television scores, including each of the Saw films and American Horror Story. Trent Reznor's musical career began as a college dropout who relocated to Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. Good connection. And he speaking also... of jukebox, we're both wearing a jukebox shirt tonight as we record <laughs> on accident. Yeah. <laughs> I like that we're matching all <laughs> requests. Uh, he also worked with Marilyn Manson. Another, I think Marilyn Manson's also from Ohio, right? Or... Yeah, he is. He's from Canton, Ohio. He is. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. And I think he also worked with uh, Rob Zombie and White Zombie. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a prolific dude. Yeah, yeah. And he's done all the Saw films, I think. All the Saw films. Right, cool. All right, well, are you ready to talk about the plot and uh, spoil the film? I'm ready. Let's spoil it. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, before we do, though, do you mind if we just take a really quick break? I I, I got uh, I just ordered some food, and I got to go uh, pick it up from this restaurant across the street. All right, sure, man. All right, I'll be right back. All right, hey man, sorry I'm back. Sorry that took a while. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? Ah, uh, it's it really weird, man. Uh, you know, I, I got there, uh, said my name to pick up the order, and then these uh, three dudes jumped out from behind the counter with these uh, masks on and held me up at gunpoint, and they kept asking me what my name was. Uh, and yeah, I, I, couldn't, I thought they were going to rob me or something, and they wouldn't believe me. After the third time I told them, though, they, they seemed satisfied, and they gave me my food. But damn, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite, quite an ID check there. Yeah. That was a really weird, almost completely unnecessary moment of the film. I know, I know. I don't understand the point of that. <laughs> like, Just especially so knowing the things I know at the end of the movie, I'm like, for real, why? <laughs> why did you have to do that? I guess, I, I guess yeah. it makes more sense, maybe. Really? In light of uh, what happens? I think so. You think? Okay. I just think there are better ways. I guess... This was like, what What year is this supposed to be? Like 2004 or 5? Yeah, if it's, yeah, exactly. 2004 okay. or 5. Yeah, all right. So maybe you didn't have like a, uh, I don't know how you verify identity today, like a credit check or something or some kind of digital footprint or that. Yeah, some way to track it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was the way to go. Um, but yeah, so this movie opens up with us, uh, or opens up uh with us, us. did yeah. you catch us, with us yeah me we're and right Ashton just waving at the beginning of the <laughs> yeah. movie we're right there in the MRI wearing our like matching that. jukebox t-shirts <laughs> exactly and no pants <laughs> that's part of the movie uh so yeah the movie opens up with uh john kramer who we all know is a jigsaw killer he's just gone through this mri and his cancer prognosis brain cancer prognosis isn't looking good he's got less than a year to live uh fortunately one of the patients from his support group is suddenly cured and he tips John off about this experimental procedure being done by a Norwegian doctor that has a really high success rate. So John reaches out through the Internet Explorer to the daughter of this doctor, who is now leading the study because the doctor, I guess, is in hiding or something. 
uh, and the daughter, who's a Dr. Cecilia, was it Peterson or Peterson? Peterson. Oh, okay. Dr. Cecilia Peterson invites him down to Mexico, where after he is held at gunpoint to verify his identity, he's welcomed into this uh, treatment center. There he meets Dr. Cecilia Peterson and her team, and they're all very nice and hospitable and uh, hyping up the surgery. And they do the surgery on him, and the next morning he's declared cured, recovered from cancer. Uh, unfortunately, when he tries to go find them a few days later to give them a bottle of uh, some drink, what was that, a whiskey or bourbon or mezcal? He, yeah, he, it was a tequila. That, oh, it was uh, a tequila. Yeah. Nice. So uh, when, he, when he goes there, he finds the place is abandoned and he sees like the medical lab and it's it, it clearly looks like a hoax. And he finds like a DVD of like a surgery, which is what he was seeing on screen. So he realizes that he's just been scammed by these people and uh, he's pissed. So this is like, I don't know, a good half hour of the opening. Pretty slow, like it uh, feels like a medical drama. There's like one scary sequence where he's imagining putting someone in a trap and getting their eyes popped out. But uh, otherwise, it's a very slow start. What would you think of this? Yeah, I mean, one of the that was like the headline. It's the the cover of the movie is a trap that is exists only in his imagination that he doesn't actually do. <laughs> yeah, uh, so very interesting. It is a. I mean, that is. That's unlike any other Saw film, to go that long without any violence and to spend that long on a calmly, <laughs> quietly told story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was unexpected, but um, it, John Kramer becomes more interesting of a character as the franchise goes on, so I was kind of here for it as somebody who it was familiar with him as a character, but were you here for it as someone who's just seen like the first and second one? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I, I had some takeaways from it, but I'm curious, like, uh, since you, you've had this, like, idea of John Kramer building up and have had, uh, d- yeah, I guess he's been teased to you uh, throughout other films. Like, did this add anything to a story? Like, I mean, I feel like this is, we already knew, like, he was this guy who was suffering from cancer and that was, like, his motivation to do this. So, uh, was there, like, a new character reveal here for you where you're like, oh, that, that explains John Kramer or something? Yeah, I mean... That is a weakness of this film for me. It's it's really not enlightening. It's a, a cool emotional journey to go on with John, but it doesn't give us any more insight into his motivations, which some of the other films have done. Like, hmm. oh, this is why he does what he does. And it's kind of interesting. This isn't necessarily interesting, but it does take us on an emotional journey, which I'm usually a fan of in films. Yeah. How does he find out where they were if they went through all that trouble to like kidnap him so that he wouldn't know? Oh, the, yeah. They go, they tell him, <laughs> even you can't know where this is. Yeah. But then how does he find it so easily? Yeah, that's true. And then like days later, he wakes up somewhere else, but somehow he like winds up back at that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah he would a, have no way of knowing that it was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big uh, plot hole for sure. Um, you know, I, I want to go back to that idea that like this doesn't tell us more about. So yeah, I know very little about him for sure. But I thought one thing that was really interesting with this long setup. Uh, well, two things. First is uh, I felt like they're drawing a connection between uh, the jigsaw traps. You know, like these crazy things people like he puts people into that like they have to like sever parts of their body off or like you know do these crazy things to themselves in order to survive. And I thought maybe he was comparing that to this journey of like a cancer patient seeking uh, some kind of treatment 
and like going to like lengths to like find a way to save the lives and like kind of showing us like this lab inside of a house uh or like the shots i mean obviously like you're not like sawing yourself off or anything and there's like nothing around but there, there's like brain surgery going on and things things that even come up later in different traps but to me like I, I thought this was maybe some background into like we know this guy's an engineer we know he's like dying from this thing is this like where he gets some of his ideas from it's like these medical experiments or experiences that he goes through when he's designing his traps any any of that uh come to you I feel like no, because it's revealed they never even performed any medical procedure on him, so (laughs) he he didn't actually go through that thing, and he was setting up traps like that before this happened to him. Yeah. So I don't really think it informs him, his future self. I mean, it clearly does, but because he's a human being and everything we do informs our future actions, but it's not like, oh, this is why John is the way he is. It's just like... Here's a thing that happened to John. Yeah, I know, because like he's already jigsaw, right? He's already done like these traps and stuff too. So I yeah. think you're right. I I, I don't think. Uh, but I I thought that could have been a cool angle for them to explore more. Is like, uh, yeah, the the journey of like a patient uh, going through like crazy medical stuff, and then like what he's trying to put people through. But I, I think you're right. I, I think that's just coincidental here, and it, yeah. maybe not even a good thing. The other thing I wanted to ask. Oh, I don't know. Some of like uh, I, in part two and part three, like the vengeance he brings. Uh, is do you feel like any of that might have been fueled by like what he's been through here and getting duped? Yeah, I mean that could that could be probably like the clearest line somebody could draw. It informs his thirst for revenge, yeah, and bitterness with people. And but the thing that doesn't really jive there is that he's always been so clear throughout <laughs> the franchise, which is a one of the dumber parts of the franchise. Yeah. I don't kill people. I'm not a killer. <laughs> I love his lectures. I always <laughs> give people a choice. Yeah. And I mean it's he's clearly kidding himself if he right. like truly believes that. But yeah, you could say this informs his bitterness and his willingness to put people through all this. Yeah, maybe there's some reinforcement going on, but I, I agree. He's he's already like that. Uh the idea of this like front part being uh an interesting like piece of like this person going through this process i think some of that for me is muddled because we know he's jigsaw and he's like we're expecting to be like really scared uh about him but like here i think you're almost supposed to like empathize or sympathize with him because of like this ordeal he's going through like uh did, did you feel that way or were you like uh yeah i'm glad i'm glad uh, he, he got uh, ripped off by these guys yeah i mean he is the hero of this film and that yeah. is he's always kind of been a little bit of like a villain slash anti-hero like you're like meant to buy into him as a character no not not a batman oh, okay. <laughs> although he is kind of like it like the robin hood of horror like oh yeah right? some sort of perverted uh way yeah. but he's there are films that go more into him and his relationship with some of his underlings and make him a character that we're kind of supposed to feel for at least yeah this is the most any film has gone into making him he is without a doubt the hero the main character of this movie and every other movie has uh, a character you're rooting for instead of john right yeah he's usually in opposition to that character right so uh yeah that i think that part was a little disorienting for me like why are we 
rooting for this guy or like feeling bad for him. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a terrible ordeal, but isn't he supposed to be like killing people? And I, there's a really funny scene, right? Where he's uh, sitting, like drawing up a trap while he's like recovering from uh, his cancer, uh, which I, I thought was hilarious. But And then uh, he throws it away. I think like okay. had he recovered, he might've been like, I'm giving up this gig. Oh man. And no Saw 2 and, and, and Saw 2 through 10 would have been done. Right. Yeah. And then they would have yeah. never sold any copies of those movies again. They would have yeah. pulled them from shelves. That'd have been awesome. <laughs> Retconned. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was an interesting uh, point there. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, things go the opposite direction, and now he's pissed. So, at this point, John Kramer goes into jigsaw mode. He recruits his apprentice, Amanda, who was one of his victims in the first film. Uh, and I think in the second film, we learn that, that uh, there's a twist, right, that she's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think now, as a heads up to everybody, if we're spoiling Saw 10, we have to spoil. We're going to inevitably spoil some of the other films. So, yeah. So that's coming. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, Amanda from from 2 is back here. Yes. Yeah. She was briefly in the first one. And then we find out she's one of the main characters in 2. And it's revealed that she is John's partner. Right. And um, I think like her, actually her role in part one, it's it's the bear trap, which I think is still like one of the most like infamous traps of his, right, in the series. It is one of the most infamous traps, even though it doesn't get executed on Amanda, but it does get used on someone else later in oh, the franchise. Oh, no I didn't know they reused traps. And you get to see the the gory results of oh, wow. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that. All right. So she arrives in Mexico and the two of them set about capturing... Dr. Peterson and her whole team, they start by first kidnapping the driver and uh, strapping bombs onto his arms that he can only cut off by using, uh, oh, by cutting his flesh and muscle off, which uh, he actually does. So, like, uh, this this guy actually survives, um, and he relays some information to them. So they then go about capturing the rest of the group, and they chain them inside this warehouse where the torture party begins. Uh, and it starts with uh, one woman first has to saw off her leg, and pump bone marrow from her leg into a machine before her head gets cut off. Uh, she goes to town on the, on the leg and cuts it off and is extracting bone marrow, but the clock runs out before she fills up enough bone marrow and she gets decapitated. The others uh, use this time now to use take her intestines as a rope uh, that they use to uh, get a hold of a phone that's in the middle of the room, and they make this emergency call but Amanda comes in and shuts down the attempt for help. Then the second person has to use a saw to cut into his skull and remove some brain tissue to disarm this trap he's in. And again, he's almost there, but then the time runs out and his face is smashed and burned. What do you think of uh, these tortures and kills so far? They're pretty gruesome. Uh, even I would say even as far as the Saw franchise goes, but they are not necessarily super complex or creative in comparison to some of the other traps. What do you no think? Way. Uh, well, I only have like the first uh, film and a cloudy reference of the second film. So, I yeah, I, I, mean, I didn't think they were that clever, but I thought they were, yeah, really gross. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was actually surprised uh, how everyone kind of knew like, yeah, how to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> it was just like in, in each one, you just got to like uh, take a body part off and and you're good to go, right? Or, that was the it, thing. It's like they were they were so similar to some of them were similar to each other and pretty similar to prior traps in the franchise. Yeah, and that's a, one of the funniest parts of the franchise is that they received these super quick instructions 
under extreme duress yeah. and they know exactly what they need to do. Even when I, as the viewer, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what was yeah, it? Exactly. Could you repeat, you repeat that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, bone marrow? <laughs> her people will like wake up in a room and then one will explain to the other person everything they have to do, which is very clearly just explaining to us, the viewer, oh, what's yeah. going on. And it's like, yeah. oh, they immediately understand. Look, that <laughs> string is rigged to that dial up there. And if it pushes that, the timer goes off and the weight is just ridiculous that anyone ever understands what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Understanding it. And then, uh, yeah, three minutes is, is way too tight here because here you have people who actually try to do it. Uh, so it seems unfair that, like, because they're, like, two or three seconds off, they're uh, getting killed. Like, I, I feel like according to his own principle, like, uh, th- yeah, I, I don't understand how that jives. Yeah, that's one of the biggest beefs I have with the franchise, which eventually you just kind of give up beefing about because you're like, whatever. But, yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's not truly giving a character a chance to survive. He's making it extremely difficult. Sure, sure. And yeah, you have to, like, have... No hesitation. Like act extremely <laughs> right quick. Basically, these people did an excellent job. They yeah. they did what they were supposed to do, and they did it quickly. And they still yeah. did still not tight. survive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like it wasn't well designed there. But do you feel like other films have had smarter traps where it's like more of a puzzle, and these are less of a puzzle, more just like straight torture? I would say, if not more of a puzzle, yeah, more of a puzzle and a little bit more complex and creative like mm. makes you say oh that was a pretty good idea for a trap and i don't think these really these. inspired that sentiment in me at all yeah yeah no i, I agree i agree that wasn't like anything too uh, mind-blowing here um the uh oh shoot what was i gonna say yeah oh uh one thing i did like kind of appreciate and i think we'll talk about this in the next kill too but did you feel like these had a theme of being tied to cancer treatment uh, like her pulling out bone marrow, him like having to operate on his brain. Like, do you think these are things that uh, mirrored uh, John Kramer's experience? Yeah, they, they totally did. Yeah, good call okay. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that gets reinforced by one of the next ones. Right, right. So I, I like that there's like some thematic connection, but I, I agree. It wasn't like mind-blowingly, uh, oh, that was really smart. Like, how do you put that together? Yeah, right. I don't know if I can tom- tie the bombs on the arm... Oh yeah, <laughs> to oh. cancer treatment. Doesn't he? I thought he like makes a metaphor. Like it'll be like you have uh, you have cancer going everywhere in your arms or something. I, I thought he he says a line like that or he, something. Okay, maybe he did. Yeah, but that that one. I mean, yeah, I guess it's uh, less subtle since he's saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of forced in there. Um, the other thing, uh, how'd you feel about the abductions? Like we we kind of get the pig mask going again and uh, I, I thought that looked kind of cool what would you think yeah I enjoy the pig masks that becomes a pretty common theme throughout the movies and yeah they work and they're pretty creepy yeah yeah that's not, not something you want to see at night uh, and that see. first moment when like someone's on her roof yeah basically like when Dr. Peterson gets kidnapped that was a cool one like, when just, they like, smash the glass on her yeah that was really cool yeah I like that choreography that was really good mm-hmm uh, so at this point now, this other patient that John had run into at the treatment center named Parker shows up with a gun and he's looking really angry because he's just realized that he's been scammed by Dr. Peterson and he wants his money back. He's really angry. He wants like in a fight with her or whatever. John makes him hand his gun over and uh, makes him watch as they torture the last associate of Dr. Penderson's uh, and they do this by burning her face with the radiation uh, machine 
uh, and it, f- it forces her to club her, her off her hand and feet with a sledgehammer. And she does this, so she, yeah, she gets pretty severely burned, but she manages to escape the trap. And at this point, John prepares to send her to the hospital for treatment. So I think this is kind of that hero mentality of his, right? Like, if you do what uh, he asks you to do, he's, he's going to let you go. Yeah, and it's just it's such a, a flip. A switch is flipped immediately. Like, she needs to get to the hospital for treatment now, and how dare you not take her? It's <laughs> I know. like, you're dude, terrible person. <laughs> get, get over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, as the audience, like, you're supposed to groan, right? Like, every time he's giving a speech about, like, being this uh, savior or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if you are. Like, I hope the franchise is self aware that this whole shtick <laughs> is ridiculous, but yeah. I'm not entirely sure that they are. Okay. Because yeah, there I'm are not... plenty of people that are like, he helped me. It worked. Like, that is like why Amanda, Amanda right? is here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's really weird tonally uh, during the film is, yeah, you, you don't know how much... Uh, how, yeah, much how much does the, the film believe its own, Yeah, like, central conceit there with... Or at yeah. least John Kramer's central conceit. Yeah, I know. I mean, it makes for an interesting conversation point in, like, you're, ping, ping, uh, you're playing true to, like, your main character where, where uh, it's his ideology and that's, like, what we're seeing. But, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully uh, you're supposed to, like, have a balanced view about that. And you know? so many great villains have that. They have this form of logic and this ideology that they truly believe is right. Yeah. And sometimes it's convincing, like, oh, okay, like, maybe we should, like, kill half the world to save the planet. Oh, or... my God, that's who I was thinking about, too. I totally <laughs> agreed with that guy. Thanos? Right. He had a really good uh, idea there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that's cool to have. Uh, in this one, you get, I I guess, here, so I, th- I think what's so different so far for me in this film is uh, usually you're embedded in the victim's mentality of, like, we're being tortured and you're hearing this guy, like, say that shit and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, that's that's not how uh, the world works. Like, you don't have to kill, get, like, cut off your hands, like, live, and that means something. So you can, so, but you, you can, it's, it's more clear that, like, yeah, you're being haunted by this lunatic, basically. Whereas here, if, if you're so pivoted on this character uh i feel like some of that lunacy element is gone yeah do you feel that yeah agreed like he's not some sort of crazy genius he's just your main character now exactly yeah it's 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 really weird position to put him in do any other films uh have like the evil genius i mean yeah sorry what were you asking oh do any of the other films have like a killer as like the main character like this um I'm trying to think, kind of, kind of, Um, not so clearly, not so plainly. Okay, yeah, this is a really interesting approach. Yeah. By the Uh, way, we don't want half the world to die, everybody, so (laughs) whoever was about to write a review that we're some (laughs) liberal, ecological (laughs) extremists, just, just stop. Yeah, not the world, just the Marvel universe. Uh, half of them, they can. <laughs> half of them can die. All of them yeah. can die. It's 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 yeah. time, time yeah, to close exactly. up shop. Right, right. Make room for something else. All these sequels. Uh, so they after they do this to her face, and they're getting ready to send her to the hospital for treatment. Parker suddenly pulls out a gun on John and Amanda, and he reveals that he's Doctor Peterson's lover. So the two of them uh, then chain up Amanda and force John to get into the last trap. And there's this neighbor kid, uh, neighborhood kid outside that John had befriended earlier, and they get him into the trap as well, just to make John feel even shittier about like what what he's done. Uh, that this trap waterboards them with blood, um, and like the two people on there basically have to like pull this lever 
that like changes who's being waterboarded when. Um, what do you think on on the scale of cleverness? Was this clever at all? I didn't quite understand this trap, which is not anything new for me in this franchise. So I can't remember. They eventually would. It's basically like that's something he does sometimes. Like you have to choose whether you survive or the other person does. Oh, uh, okay. But okay. then were they ultimately gonna like raise up to some saw that killed them or something like that? I can't remember the remember ultimate s- end of the trap. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed pretty anticlimactic. If it's just uh, yeah, waterboarding someone's blood. Yeah, just like the, yeah. the popular cancer treatment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blood like waterboarding. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we all know that one. Uh, but yeah, so so now him and this kid are on it, uh, and the kid's also like trying to help him, which is really weird because like this kid barely knows this guy except for like he fixes bike once, but he's like trying to like. Uh, but John's like trying to sacrifice himself to save the kid, so it's a very predic- It's a crazy predicament there. Um, and during this time, Parker and Doctor Penderson. Yeah, Dr. Peterson. Peterson. Peterson, A lot, a right. lot of the, uh, you know, like, Swedish and those, uh, like, northern countries, they their Petersons have Ds instead of Ts. Instead of Ts? Uh, interesting. It's good to know. Uh, they The two of them go up to John's office to get uh, their money, which John had taken, but another trap starts when they get in there and traps them in the office, and meanwhile, it also frees John, Amanda, and the kid. It turns out... And here's your uh, big reveal moment, supposedly, and the the music kicks in. John apparently knew that uh, Parker was Dr. Peterson's lover, and he had set this elaborate trap up to lure him to the warehouse and uh, trapped him in that office, I guess. So this room now starts filling up with gas, and there's a hole that's only big enough for one person to breathe through. So Dr. Peterson kills Parker and survives by sticking her head out of the hole as John, Amanda, and the kid from the neighborhood walk away to a happy ending. Uh, what did you think? Was this like climactic enough for you? Or was this like twist what you're looking for? No, not at all. And I, I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is that the twist just doesn't hold a candle to many of the twists in the other films. It's, I feel like, I mean, I kind of saw that coming. Like, how could John not know yeah. That this guy was in on it. He was like the only other person he saw there. He knows seemingly everything. He knows where to find these people. And that's a problem I have with the entire plot in general. Like it's conceivable that John would be scammed. He's this is an incredibly vulnerable thing where you're going through cancer and you want a cure. Sure. But he is painted throughout the whole franchise as just a total genius who seems to be aware of everyone's whereabouts at all times. <laughs> Pre-Google, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for him to have gotten scammed like this just feels pretty hard to believe. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, the, yeah, watching like this end part and like where you think he's in trouble, I, I didn't buy that at first second because like he, this whole, uh, he's always like one step ahead of everyone. So right. you kind of know like, yeah, he's, he's not going to like let himself fall into this. But you are right. Like he came this far so yeah, how how did he let himself get trapped? Maybe it's like that desperation of like there's no other option, and he's like heard about this one thing. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That is really weird. That that's like a huge thing. He would just not realize. Yeah, he would just say, okay, yeah, yeah. I will do that. Yeah, he seems like someone who forwards a lot of chain emails because that's going to work on right around this time period. Yeah, he probably was forwarding a lot of chain emails. Sure. Um. Also, it's just like 
he, for knowing that that guy was in on it, he puts him and Amanda at great risk many times, just hoping things will go his way. Like, yeah. You can't just kind of like crack a smile like I knew it would all happen this way yeah, the whole time. I told you, it's you like <laughs> you got really fucking lucky you didn't die, yeah, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they could have easily just hung out there and not like gone to the office for a while. Yeah, yeah. So very strange. I don't. It was, and and it's weird that like he had the resources and capability to go get everyone else from Doctor Peterson's team. Couldn't, Why, couldn't he, find this guy. Yeah, was that it? He couldn't find him, or like he he wanted to like test him too, or something. Or I like, think yeah, they why? didn't realize until like later, the last minute, that he was oh, some somehow complicit. Complicit, but yeah. whatever the explanation is, it just doesn't it doesn't pass the uh, smell test, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I was I was also very disappointed in, in this twist. Like, it didn't feel like a twist. It's like, a, yeah, I knew he had like some plan back there. And uh, that, uh, yeah, things wouldn't work work out for uh, those two people. Uh, it, it seems like it didn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, agreed. Very anticlimactic twist that, to be yeah. honest, didn't really feel like a twist. Honestly, I didn't see the scam coming. So oh. to me, that was kind of the yeah. bigger twist. I wonder if it, maybe they, they that was the point. Maybe they did a mid-movie twist versus uh, maybe he got jigsawed uh, and that was uh, the idea. Yeah, versus. but I mean... they. The way the editing is and the pacing and the score, the score they intend in. for this to be a twist. Like, yeah, it's, it's he, supposed to be a surprise that John knew. Yeah, and th- there's a moment where I feel like Amanda feels like pretty stressed, like things might not go the way, and he's like trying to calm down and be like, "Don't worry, you know, like no matter what happens, we're gonna be okay." Something. So it's like, yeah, you, you realize he's got like some master plan this whole time, but it's not like that smart of a plan, and it's a, yeah, pretty close game to play here. Agreed. Uh, did you feel, uh, so all these deaths that have happened, did you feel for anyone here? I I feel like the movie tried to get us to be empathetic for Gabriella, who's like a drug addict, uh, who Amanda, like maybe sees a part of herself in or something and like advocates for, um, but like, yeah, I don't know. How'd you feel about all these characters? Were were you sad to see them go or did you feel for any of them? No, I wasn't. I do think the Gabriella storyline was the closest to having something, but it felt like they kind of dropped that idea halfway through the movie. Or mm-hmm. maybe not halfway through the movie, but they start going with this Amanda thing where she feels for her and she's like, hey, like I'm trying to kind of help you here. Yeah. And then not really anymore. Like once it comes yeah. to a certain point, it's just they move on past that and there's right, no exactly. true difficulty for Amanda. I mean... Maybe her death is the most painful of all of them to Amanda, but it felt like they were hinting at a thing that never really happened. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, she's the one that gets killed, uh, not by these two, but, I mean, by, by someone else. And, like, yeah, it seems to take an emotional toll on them, and it, like, breaks John's rules or whatever. Right, it break, that seemed like the bigger affront was that it broke John's rules. Yeah, which is, yeah, kind of kind of nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah, a, a lot of kind of crazy stuff, uh, a lot of uh, lectures going on back and forth about, like, who's killing for the right reason versus the wrong <laughs> reason and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of ridiculous. Uh, the movie ends uh, with a post credit scene. Did you, you stick around for this? Yes, I did. And I, was, oh, okay. I almost texted you before we started to say, please tell me you stuck around for this. <laughs> yeah. I stuck around this time. Man, all these post credit scenes. I, I, why can't they just put it in the movie? Like, what's the benefit of uh, the post credit? I don't know, but nobody should leave until... Yeah, no one should leave anymore. (laughs) Also, a pro tip, depending on how savvy the theater is, many of them will leave the lights off for a while if there's a scene coming 
mm. like in the first part of the credits. Oh, if it's okay. all the way at the end of the credits, they won't bother. They'll they'll turn the lights up. But if it's like a scene that's going to come like a minute into the credits, a lot of times they will turn keep the lights off until that sure. scene happens. Yeah, yeah. So if the yeah, lights that's... are staying off while the credits are rolling, stay in your seat. Stay in your seat. <laughs> All right. Good, For good your tip. own safety. Yeah. <laughs> Don't move around in the dark. Uh, yeah, so I, I think this one comes in, fortunately, like a minute or two into the credit scene. Uh, and we get uh, John and Detective Hoffman, who I think is probably a character, the, according to my Wikipedia reading. <laughs> he is, from, like, yes. He's a, he becomes a, a disciple of Saw somewhere around the middle of the franchise. Yeah, that's a, kind of a cool angle that he's got so many disciples. Uh, that's that's pretty neat. Honestly, it's worth watching the franchise just to see like who some of these disciples are. It's it's uh, kind okay. of fun. Also, yeah. this film leaves two potential disciples alive, right? Like Mateo was the guy's name, Mateo, uh, like um, with the brain. Oh no, with, the taxi driver. I think they all had brains. Um, <laughs> yeah, the brain guy didn't he? Or no, wait, maybe he, it was the died. taxi driver. The taxi it was driver, the taxi yeah, driver. Yeah. He stayed alive. He stayed alive. And then, uh, and yeah, Cecilio, Dr. Cecilio Peterson did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you think those are going to be... So you think survivors of Saw films tend to become uh, disciples? It certainly leaves the option open. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a, something interesting about... Uh, uh, you thinking about uh, something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Is that like, uh, you know, people do these like extreme challenges uh, most of the time of their own accord. And then they come back changed. So, like, is there a method to his madness where he's actually converting people for That's the better? That's the thing. I mean, the mo- the franchise repeatedly proves that he is right to an extent that these things, uh, they convert people. If nothing yeah. else, they convert people into murderers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's not like, yeah. oh, my gosh, my life is better. And uh, thanks. I'll be on thanks. my way now. It's, yeah. oh, my gosh, my life is better. Now I want to murder people. <laughs> Oh man, isn't that how religion works? Like, you, you oh, can into religion. Oh like, boy, we're pissing everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what you're saying. There's like a cult, cult uh, mentality behind this. That's really fascinating. Uh, it is. So there we, is like a cult of Jigsaw, kind of. Yeah, fascinating. Which, so, yeah, they're, they're really. That could be a direction the franchise could go at some point. Sure. Just all the followers and like, uh, yeah, this idea. Yeah, of like one of the films features like a, a website. Uh, like an underground website that's dedicated to just fandom of the Jigsaw Killer. Oh, so wow. you definitely could have some sort of cult. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a neat angle. And maybe get that. like the cult versus the true disciples. And oh, sure, some you know, a bit of, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like that aspect, like uh, what it, what it does to a person. I feel like you never get that within the movie. It seems like you have to watch a few movies to see like how the people from the last film. Reactive. Yeah, sadly you do. I feel like you have to watch a lot of movies in this movie in this franchise to appreciate it. Yeah. In, in the in the things that it does well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Take or a at the very there. least watch through mm, six. One through six? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're sparing us like three films. Yeah, I mean I was gonna say one through seven, but that seems like a lot. Really eight and nine. I don't think provide that much value or add that much to the franchise. Okay. Okay. But yeah, this Dr. Hoffman, he's in what, like probably four, three, four, five or something I, around that time? For Detective Hoffman? Uh, how many films he's in? Uh, yeah. Does he come in in like part three, part four, part five around that time? 
Um, I think he first appears in part three. Okay. Yeah. So he's here in this post credit scene with John Kramer, and they're torturing that initial cancer survivor who had told John about this treatment center, who they now realize was uh, just uh, faking it and, uh, yeah, scamming people or recruiting people for this place. Yeah. Uh, and they, they didn't really go into the trap there, right? Like, you saw some cool kind of machine thing, but, like, no idea, like, what was what the trap was, right? Yeah, I can't remember if we got much detail on what was actually happening with that trap. Yeah, right. All right, Brian, so, like, uh, having watched the whole franchise, what do you, what do you think uh, about this film? What, what worked, what didn't work? Uh, what would you like? Yeah, I think the biggest beef I had, we kind of discussed at length, just that the twist wasn't that big of a twist. Um, I did find it a little bit distracting. So Shawnee Smith plays Amanda, and she has played, this is some background info I didn't want to say earlier, just in case people didn't want to have the franchise spoiled, but she's Amanda in five of ten Saw films, and Costas, Costas Mandalore has appeared as Hoffman in six of the ten Saw films. Wow. So cool to get these three characters back but i do think it was distracting that amanda was very clearly much older and going back in time like it's just Didn't i work. i shouldn't be so distracted by that but it just took me out of it a little bit the short haircut didn't fool you and like oh yeah she's like <laughs> yeah by the way she her haircut in this and two I think she stands along like Josh Hartnett and Courtney Cox as some of the worst haircuts in horror. <laughs> Here in part 10? Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. I yeah. thought that was pretty bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, not to call her out specifically, I think the only reason I'm not saying the same from Tobin Bell is because it just, he feels like one of these people who's always kind of looked like they're 70 years old. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up anything there like uh yeah. Yeah, seemed pretty well, and and like we know he's getting weaker and, and older and right, sicker. right. So you kind of he's playing like a weak older person in some of the later films. So if he just stands up straight for some of this movie, he seems younger. Whereas yeah. Shawnee Smith can't can't really cheat like that. Sure, sure. Um, anyway, oh. not, not to tuck deducting points for that or anything. It's just it was a distraction. I wonder if anyone else felt the same way or not, or if I'm just an asshole. Probably, um, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. I do think the strength was a strength for this franchise specifically is this is clearly the slickest production and most polished of the films so far, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but some people could think of that as detriment because so many of these films just have this gritty, dirty, gross feel to them that this one doesn't. I mean, it's a gross, gory movie, but things aren't happening. Things are happening in clean spaces in this one and most yeah. of the films take place in some abandoned warehouse or like old meat packing plant and there's just like years of grime on the floors yeah and this film doesn't doesn't have that but i also think it's like the most professionally made movie of the bunch if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense i mean I, I feel like there was like a lot of rust on like some of the machinery but you're right like yeah yeah we're missing like the gross elements of like the first one or like that where or that house they're in and the second one uh i guess yeah it doesn't go like that into the the location that much i it's also think tobin bell's performance was a pretty big strength in this one yeah yeah i thought it was a good performance okay you agree I, I, Dis disagree oh i i don't know how to judge his performance because uh he's supposed to be this really scary guy who like is like a mass murderer and like tortures people and all i got here was like kind of angry uh patient uh cancer patient 
Um, so I, I don't know. Like I, I know uh, a lot of uh, like my uh, horror of this series is like from that puppet that comes out on a bike, like looking at the creepy. And I'm not so used to seeing uh, this character, John Kramer, like on screen for so long. But I, I guess I just assumed he'd be like a lot more menacing or scarier. So uh, I, yeah, it was, it was a struggle for me to get on board with like, why are we so scared of this uh, old dying dude? Right, right. And it's interesting to hear your perspective versus mine because John Kramer at some point becomes very familiar as a human being to the viewer in the franchise, so he's not really menacing anymore. Huh. But I do think it's weird that he's still using like pre-recorded tapes when he's there in the room and could just speak to the people. <laughs> They're like staring at him. <laughs> yeah, like, and he's yeah. like, push, hey, push play on that thing. Yeah. And he's wheeling out the puppet. It's just weird. Not yeah. We've seen his face plenty in the franchise, but normally him and Amanda aren't like in the room watching. plain as day revealing yeah. themselves to the person in the trap watching. Right. Like there are, there is one specific scenario where that kind of happens, but it's a very different scenario than this. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I pretty yeah, much that, everyone that, in the movie who's in a trap sees them, sees who's doing it. Right. <laughs> and it's just and like, like, it takes something away from it. It really and does. They're in like a well-lit room. Yeah. Standing behind glass observing. Yeah. It, it takes something out of it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's my biggest beef, like comparing this to the ones I've seen part one and two, like the, 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 the mystery element is gone. Like they know who is like, uh, after them, he's standing right there. Uh, they know why they're there. Um, and so it's just like them playing for their lives. You lose like a lot of that suspense of, um, like, where the hell are we? Like, why is this happening to us? How do we know each other? Uh, yeah, it, you're like robbed of any of that, like intrigue or mystery. And instead you're just like staring at, uh, that guy behind a window. Yeah. Agreed. Totally agree. What were some things you liked about it? It sounds, I'm, I'm guessing from your review so far that you're going to give this like a two, but what are some yeah. nice things you have to say about it? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you're right on the polish side. I, I thought, uh, I mean, I've only seen the first and second, but I thought the kills here were pretty gross and brutal. And like, I usually hate that kind of stuff and I did hate it. Uh, but it was like, it was kind of cool that they didn't pull back as over the top. Uh, it was like kind of funny at times, like when they use the intestines to, as, as a rope, uh, like they didn't like shy away at all from like just being gross, uh, which, which I liked at all, which I liked a lot. And then, uh, the, the, the theme of the traps I thought was really cool. I'm not sure like if you've seen that play out in another movie like that, where I felt like the traps were somehow connected to a patient, a cancer patient getting treatment or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Usually the traps are kind of connected to what the person is there for. Like, oh, gotcha. um, you spy on people so you're going to lose your eyes or you know oh, yeah. some, something like that but more clever right um, right but yeah i yeah. agree it's nice when they're themed i didn't really catch the cancer theme throughout i mean it was I pretty th- obvious with the radiation burns but yeah um i yeah. think i think it might be there i don't know because no, also I think the you're bu- right okay and then, uh, yeah, I, I was like, uh, I, I thought the setting was cool. I think you're right. It could have been a lot uh, grimier of a setting, but like this uh, abandoned warehouse with like this really old medical equipment, I thought it was neat. And then uh, obviously the costumes of like the pig mask and uh, the doll, uh, I, I like those. I haven't glad they brought those back, but that's kind of all I had on the strengths. Uh, you thought he gave a good performance. Is it because of that one tear he shed that one time? <laughs> no, honestly, I think he's a pretty good performer throughout the franchise. Uh with maybe one or two like awkward acting moments, okay. but 
I think it was just a good, authentic human performance. It's, I don't think he's going to win an Oscar, but I think mm-hmm. it was uh, good. And I think if you're going to commit that much to his emotional journey for the first act of the movie, you need a good performance. And I, I think he did not disappoint in that regard. He did the did a service to the story that was written for his character. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he did service to the script. Uh, but it's weird because you have that emotional journey in like the first half hour or whatever. I feel like that emotional journey is gone and, and it's replaced in the second half by like just him preaching about like what a good person is. Uh, I, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to judge that journey if, if it like falls off. It is a little disconnected to the rest of the movie. He's just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm dying again, and now I'm going to punish people. Yeah. And it kind of, like, disregards all that. Yeah. But it's funny because, like, there's so much the heroes still of the movie. Like, him, Amanda, and that little boy kind of walk off into the oh my God. the sunset or sunrise <laughs> together. Yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting interesting take <laughs> on, on the Saw, it Saw really franchise. Is. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. This, this movie, like, totally makes him a hero. Uh, what do you what do you think were some of the weaknesses then? I just think the the biggest weakness is it's a it doesn't deliver on what makes all the other Saw movies entertaining. Like, yes, the traps are extremely gory and gross, but again, I didn't think they were that creative, and the twist isn't that big of a twist. It doesn't and it does nothing to and this is where I feel like maybe I would have liked the movie more had I not watched the franchise. But now I've got an expectation with every film, and every film, almost, has added something to the franchise that increases your understanding of it or mm-hmm. sheds new light on something that's previously seemed uh, weird or unexplained. There were a lot of times where, like, as I was watching these, taking notes, I'm like, that's so stupid. How would he have... And then later in the movie or in the next movie, I'm like, oh, <laughs> That's exactly how we did it. Like, all right, yeah. I guess that wasn't stupid. It just, huh? It was going to be revealed later how and why that happened. Yeah. Um, which maybe is an impossible standard, but they seem to live up to it most to, for most of the installments. And this movie did not deliver. On didn't that add front. anything in there. Okay. No, yeah, no. I, I don't think this creed. I'm going to throw some shade at Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger. I think. Their films are some of the weakest in the franchise, uh, script-wise. Like Jigsaw, Spiral, and this. It's just, Mm. they aren't doing that anymore, it it seems like. Their reign is kind of when the franchise stops blowing your mind with like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) They have one trick up their sleeve with Jigsaw, but it's it feels more like a cheap trick than a clever one. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so you think these writers not like holding to the old uh, format or structure of like yeah, using every movie to like add to the previous film or build the story out more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, and I think some people might think it's silly of me. Like every movie should stand on its own. Like, but even on its own, like if you're gonna put a twist in a film, this this wasn't a big twist even within the world of this movie alone. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree, yeah, the twist didn't live up. And yeah, I mean, I, I think as we said at the top, like, I, I feel like there are two things that I look for in these movies, and it's uh, the, I, I think that twist is a big thing, and then, yeah, the gore. And I, I feel like, yeah, there, there wasn't any twist. Or I guess the third thing could be, like, smart traps, and uh, I think we talked about how these ones are more just, like, there for the purpose of them torturing one another versus uh, actually, like, being that, that smartly designed or anything. One nice thing about the gore was 
watching it with a fairly full theater, you could like feel people squirming in their oh, seats yeah. <laughs> and like some people would squirm or go like, oh, and some would yeah. laugh. And it was just, <laughs> yeah. I was just laughing at the reactions of everybody else. Yeah. Like, oh, this is fun to like be a fly on the wall for everyone else's experience with this extreme yeah. gore. Yeah, that is a really unique experience to be in a room with people watching this. Yeah. So that's a good point. Good point of this. Uh, well, great. Um, anything else? I mean, obviously, like, you don't go to these movies looking for character development, right? Uh, um, no, but I, again, I don't want to pretend it's not there in the franchise. It, it is. They, they all have journeys. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I feel like you're going to start a blog on this. <laughs> Dude, I, I think the there are some fans who are like, like even like Hoffman has his own Wikipedia page as a character. Like, oh boy. I'm pretty sure there's some diehards because if you wanted to nerd out over it, you really could. And you could like map out the timelines and yeah. when everything happens and, and uh, any I'm inconsistencies sure. that may be there. I'm sure it's, some of the movies are so complex that I'm like, there's got to be a plot hole here, but I'm like not... <laughs> smart enough to figure out what it is yeah uh, so you figured it, out in this one the how did you figure out, find the yeah yeah the, yeah yeah, yeah place, listeners yeah. let us know if we're missing something there and there it was explained how he found the place after yeah they did went through great lengths to make him not know where it was exactly yeah um oh i felt right. like i was gonna say something else uh, i can't remember let's all right uh, the last question i have before we get to the score uh i feel like the movie took a risk uh with pacing by having like it's it's rare to go into like a horror film, especially like one that's so well known, and have like the first twenty to thirty minutes co- committed to like this non horror uh, medical drama and like this emotional journey of a of a patient. Do you think that paid off, or do you think it was like a half ass attempt where try to do something different, but they didn't like execute well on it at the end? I think it could have paid off. I, I I don't have any problems with that first act. I have problems with the second, third. Okay, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first act on its own stands well, but do you feel like, like, I feel like if you're going to do something like that, you have to, like, bring it through, like, tight through to the end. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they did that. Do you, do you feel no, like they No, I don't think so. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think if you showed me that first act and was like, and you'll see the rest of the movie later, I would have been like, well, you know, that was new, but I, I'm excited to see that and I'm interested to see how, where this goes. And that's very right. much how I felt like, oh, where's this going to go? But, uh. Yeah, I, I don't think they, I don't think they put a bow on it. I don't think they connected the emotional journey of John to what happened in the rest of the movie. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel the same way. I, I think I, I was glad they they like. I thought that was really cool for them to like do that. Like those, it was really different. But yeah, I, I felt like they kind of uh, then the second and third act are just basically a typical saw movie minus like the intrigue or the mystery. Sure. And the cold twist. But all right, cool. You want to jump to the rating? Let's do it. All right, well, zero to five feet of in- intestine rope. <laughs> How many feet would you give? I give this three out of five feet of intestinal rope. I think while it cannot deliver the jaw-dropping twists and creative traps that were the hallmark of prior installments in the franchise, it succeeds thanks to the emotional storyline made all the better by Tobin Bell's best performance of the franchise, in my opinion. Wow, okay, high bar for a... Uh... Tobin, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close. I was I was between two and a half and three, but I think I ended up at two and a half feet of uh, intestinal rope. Uh, I think this film delivers on its premise of eye-popping gore and elaborate torture traps, but I think its attempt to deliver a more grounded setup 
in its first act feels a bit misplaced, and the twist lacks some of the cleverness that uh, we saw in the earlier installments. So decent popcorn film if you can eat while you watch this. I, I <laughs> right? You can. Yeah. Yeah, but, red uh, like really long red rope licorice would have been a <laughs> yeah, exactly. or like fruit by the foot. Oh man, totally appropriate for this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for he- anyone who's interested, my ranking of these movies is All right. first. I'll go. I'll go best to worst. The best is the first one. Then I think saw six, four, and five. Whoa! Difficult to put those in order, but I really enjoy the middle of this franchise the best. Then I'm going to put this film in fifth place right in the middle of the pack. Then Saw 3D, Jigsaw, Saw 2, Spiral, and Saw 3. Saw 3 is the worst? I didn't like Saw 3 very much. Yeah. Okay. But again, yeah. it's like kind of a necessary watch to understand Saw 2. Or I mean okay. Saw 4 and, and these, the rest of the franchise. Are these all streaming somewhere? Um, some of them are. I ended up buying a cheap DVD pack to, uh, to, <laughs> to watch them all. But that was yeah. just because it was like I could stream some of them and rent some of them. And I saved like five bucks by buying a DVD uh, nice. collection. Yeah. Now you got something to play in the background while you pretend to do surgery on your kids. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can watch the screen. I can't believe you bought the DVD pack. That's wild. I know, it's literally the only DVDs I own are Saw 1 through (laughs) 6 or whatever came in the back. I hope you put those on a shelf, like, very prominently in your... (laughs) Brian's lead (laughs) Saw. Cool. All right, well, anything else? That's it, man. All right, that's going to wrap up our discussion on Saw X. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find the show, and we always appreciate it. If you want to join in the discussion, you can find our social links on homemovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast.homemovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where you can find other horror fans uh, talking about the genre. The link to that is also on our website. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art. You can check uh, out her work on Etsy.com and find some cool merchandise for our show. Um, we're also on Patreon. Uh, you can access some cool bonus content in episodes, and you can find the link to our Patreon page on our website or movieclub.com. Until next time, if you're putting someone in a body trap that they only have a few minutes to get out of, maybe do a few dry runs so you figure out what a reasonable amount of time is. Otherwise, no one's going to win. Like, you got to make it somewhat achievable, right? Yeah, I feel like he just threw three minutes on the clock every time. (laughs) Who said that was the appropriate amount of time? Exactly. A good round number. (laughs) By the way, did you pick up on the fact that... I don't know if you already knew this, because it's revealed at some point in the franchise, but that John is a civil engineer... Oh yeah, he said that in this one. Yeah, yeah. which that explains like yeah, yeah, the traps and things. Yeah, right. But, Still but, recruit, like need a tremendous amount of resources. Oh yeah, which yeah, you kind sure. of get hints that John has. Um, like he's got a bunch of money. He owns a bunch of buildings, which justifies like all these weird settings that um, he just happens to like have places to do this. And he's like a they they alluded to the fact that he's like really successful with what he did. So presumably. He's got a decent yeah. amount of money. Uh, got it. He's using it on, on this hobby now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His <laughs> wife's like, did you spend $3,000 at a <laughs> welding shop? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Uh, totally normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>